It's on? Oh, yeah. 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 I'm back. I'm back. So what's up, guys? How you guys doing? You guys doing good? Doing good? Doing good? Life's treating you well? School's doing good? Well, awesome. Well, again, my name is Hunter Bruce. I am the student ministry associate here at Cross Life Church. Been here for a while, and I'm loving every second of getting to hang out with you guys and learn more about God and just chase after Jesus with you guys, okay? And so we've been in a series that we are calling What Now, okay? And this series is about what do you do once you give your life to Jesus? What are those next steps that you take after you receive salvation? So in week one, Daryl talked about baptism. He talked about the importance of it. He talked about how it is a public profession of faith, right? Then the next week, which was last week, we did almost like a, a remembrance of Jesus for what he did for us. You know, we did the activities. We did the nails. We wrote on the cross. They brought the black light. That was pretty fire. And, yeah, so we, that was the time we remembered what Jesus did for us, okay? And now this week, we're going to be talking about spiritual disciplines. Now, you're probably wondering, like, Hunter, what, what does that mean? Now, usually the word discipline has different meanings or can carry different meanings. You know, sometimes when you think discipline, you think, you know, you're in trouble or you're getting grounded or you're getting a whooping. How many of y'all ever got a whooping before? Yeah, me, my mom back there, she, she gave out plenty of those to me. All right. Yep, she can attest to that. You know what happens? If, you probably, if you're not raising your hand, then you probably need one. Okay? It just happens. This is how life it is. All right? It happens. It happens. But when you think of the word Discipline, dictionary.com defines it as an activity, exercise, or regimen that develops or improves a skill. Now, when I think of the word discipline, that is a word that comes up. Well, let me show you something that I think about when I think about discipline. job is to try to be the best basketball player you can be. Mm -hmm. right? To do that, you have to practice, you have to train. You want to train as much as you can, as often as you can. So if you get up at 10 in the morning, train at 11, right? 12, say 12, train at 12, train for two hours, 12 to 2. Um, you have to let your body recover, so you eat, recover, whatever. You get back out, you train, start training again at 6. Train from 6 to 8, right? and now you go home, you shower, you eat dinner, you go to bed, you wake up, you do it again, right? Those are two sessions. Right? Now imagine you wake up at 3, you train at 4, you go 4 to 6, come home, breakfast, relax, so, so, blah, blah, blah. now you're back at it again, 9 to 11, right, relax, and now all of a sudden you're back at it again, 2 to 4, and now you're back at it again, 7 to 9. Look how much more training I have done by simply starting at 4, right? And so now you do that, and as the years go on, the separation that you have with your competitors and your peers just grows larger and larger and larger and larger and larger, and by year 5 or 6, doesn't matter what kind of work they do in the summer, they're never going to catch up because they're five years behind. <laughs> right? So it makes sense to get up and start your day early because you can get more work in. If I start earlier, I can train more hours. And I know the other guys aren't doing it because I know what their training schedule is. Right? So I know if I do this consistently over time, this, the, the gap's just going to widen and widen and widen and widen and widen and they won't be able to get that back. So it, to me, it was just common sense. I'm like thinking, how can I get an advantage? Oh, start early. Yeah, let's do that. How do you, how do you develop that? Or where do you, 
Where do you learn that from? Well, I, I think it's just, you know, it's just a matter of what's important to you. Mm -hmm. What's important to you, for, for whatever reason, you know, I, I felt like uh, I didn't feel good about myself if I wasn't doing everything I could to be the best version of myself. If I felt like I left anything on the table, it would eat away at me. I wouldn't be able to look myself in the mirror. And so the reason why I can retire now and be completely comfortable about it because I know that I've done everything I could to be the best basketball player I could be. Now, how many of you guys know who that was? Say it out loud, you can say it. Kobe Bryant, right? So Kobe Bryant, the late, great Kobe Bryant, was one of my favorite basketball players ever. All right, me and my mom, we love Kobe, all right? And one of the things that was so important to Kobe, the reason that he was so great of a basketball player was because of his discipline, right? You know, in the video, it talks about how he gets up early and everyone because they'll have to catch up to him for the, because of the amount of preparation and the amount of time that he put into the game. Now, I'm going to put my jersey on. You know, it's only right. You know, I'm out here talking about Kobe. You know, I want to throw the little jersey on for him. It's a little snug. Sorry. <laughs> but one of the main things Kobe's known for is his discipline. You know, and that discipline got a name called the Mamba Mentality. Now, some of you may have heard of it, some of you may have not, but the Mamba Mentality was something that Kobe had. Now, Kobe's nickname in the league was the Black Mamba. And for those of you who don't know what the Black Mamba is, it is an animal that's known for how deadly and dangerous it is. And that's, if you look up highlight videos of Kobe, like I was before I got here, um, he was that. In his prime, he was no joke. He was doing turnarounds and, you know, y'all saw the video, like, you know, like he was doing all that to a high level. You know, he won MVP, he's a five-time NBA champion, um, won the Olympic gold medals, I believe, twice. And that type of mentality that he had was different than other people because he was so focused on being one of the greatest ever. Now, Kobe, he says this quote about the Mamba mentality. He says, Mamba mentality means to be constantly, means to constantly try to be the best version of yourself. It's a constant quest to try to be better yet, be better today than yesterday. Now this right here, this is the same approach that we have to have towards spiritual disciplines. You see, spiritual disciplines are biblical practices that a believer does to grow in Christ spiritually. I'm going to say it again for those of you taking notes. Spiritual disciplines are biblical practices that a believer does to grow spiritually in Christ. You see, when we discipline ourselves, not only does our character grow, but we also build a stronger and deeper relationship with Christ. See, just as any athlete trains their hardest to win or be successful, Christians are called to make their faith strong as faith strong as possible through disciplines. See, if you look at some of the best athletes in the world, they are the most disciplined. 
they are intensely disciplined. You know, they follow diets. They're working out in the gym. You know, they're doing all these things to put their body in the best peak condition. You see, this is accurate for our physical condition. But for some reason, there's a disconnect when it comes to our spiritual condition. You see, the truth is that a lot of believers are undisciplined. See, understand that nobody's naturally born with discipline. Just like if you don't exercise or if you don't eat the right things to take care of your body, you're going to be sluggish, right? You're going to be tired. You're going to be weak all the time. You know, just as if you're undisciplined spiritually, you're not reading your Bible, you're not praying, your spirit will become weak. 1 Timothy 4, verses 7 through 8. It says, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. As it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. You see, the purpose for spiritual discipline is to develop our inner being which has been transformed by Christ once we receive salvation. You see, there are a number of different programs or books that we can read to that or that talk about spiritual discipline, but the best way to avoid mistakes or misunderstandings about what spiritual discipline is, we have to listen and figure out what Scripture says about it. So tonight we're going to be discussing three basic things Three basic spiritual disciplines that we could follow starting today, all right? So check this out. The first one, number one, repeat after me. Read your Bible. Now, you got to put a little attitude in, all right? Read your Bible. There it is, there it is, there it is. Good, good. Read your Bible, okay? Yes, good, good. <laughs> Y'all paying attention, that's good. So 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. I feel like out of all the disciplines that we're going to talk about and all the disciplines that there are, this one is the most crucial. You see, the only way we can understand the ways and will of God is through the instruction of the Bible. And you see, the only way you can understand and know the instruction of the Bible is if you what? Read your Bible, all right? There's no way you can understand what the Bible says if you don't read your Bible, right? And you see, the practice of every spiritual discipline is found in Scripture. It's found in the Bible. And you see, without reading the Bible, there's no way that you can grow spiritually. You see, Jesus knew the Bible more than anyone. You know, in the book of Luke, he amazed the teachers in the Jerusalem temple by how much he understood it. Understood it. And you see, later on in Luke, he quotes Scripture from memory. While he's in the wilderness, he's using Scripture to defend against the devil. He even started a ministry by reading the book of Isaiah. You see John 1.14. It says, the word became flesh 
and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. To read and know the word is to know Jesus. So check this out. Imagine you go a day without eating, right? Some of y'all probably can't go 30 minutes without eating. That's, I'm talking about myself. Imagine you go a day without eating. Then imagine that you go a week without eating, right? Imagine now you go a month without eating. You see, as time goes on and on, you begin to get weaker and weaker. You guys ever seen those shows where people go out in, you know, in the wild and try to survive? You know, over time, they get skinnier and skinnier, right? That's because they're not eating. They're not getting the proper nutrients that they need in order to survive. And our bodies need nourishment in order to live, right? And that goes the same for our spiritual lives. You see, our spirit will enter eternity, and it needs nourishment to be alive and focused on the will of God. See, some, some are wondering what God's will is for their lives, right? Some wonder these things, but they don't read their Bible. So how are you going to know God's will for your life if you don't read your Bible? Matthew 4.4, 4, it says, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. John 6, 63, it says, the spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of, they are full of spirit and life. If we want to gain life and nourishment for our spirit, it is crucial that we spend time reading God's word. See, the thing is that we make time for the things that we want, right? You know, say you want to practice or get better at a sport, or say you want to work on this thing so you can get better at it, right? We make time for the things that we want. And oftentimes, we tend to push God and the Bible to the side, right? You see, we try to put a lot, of our, a lot of our focus into things that are temporary. But why do we do that? We have to understand that God's word is our source of life. And it contains infinite help and wisdom. And when it's not only read but obeyed, it will lead to unimaginable spiritual growth. Next thing is this, prayer. You're taking notes. Number two is prayer. Matthew 6, verses 5 through 8. It says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, 
they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. So for those of you who don't understand what prayer is, prayer is a conversation with God. That conversation is, it it could be anything you want. It's talking about your life. You know, you're talking about life with the person that knows you the most. You see, even though God knows how we're doing and what we're doing already, he still wants us to communicate with him. You have to understand that God is trustworthy. He listens to our fears. He listens to our hurts our frustrations, our pains, and God is eager to hear us confess our sin and ask for forgiveness. He wants us to ask him to provide for us. And you see, if we listen carefully to him, he will direct us to what we need to do. And the best part is that he's available 24-7, right? I hate to say this comparison, but God is like Waffle House. You ever been to Waffle House? Waffle House is always open, right? You can pass by at 3 in the morning. Guess what? The lights at Waffle House going to be on, right? They're going to be open, all right? And God is 24-7, open to you, always available, whenever you need him. You see, throughout the Gospels, you can see Jesus praying as well. You see, God created prayer for our benefit. And a big part of prayer is showing your thankfulness and praising God for all that he's done. You see, I get it, you know, it's not easy being thankful when things are going tough. But thankfulness gives us strength and a healthy perspective on life. You see, prayer is actively trusting and surrendering our life to God. It's knowing that he is interceding and doing right for us. It's understanding that he is the one true provider and that he'll never abandon us. Number three, worship. You see, you got to understand the importance of worship is huge. Because worship not only matters to you, but it matters to God as well. See, oftentimes we allow personal distractions to get in the way. You know, sometimes we go to church, but we don't worship. You know, we stand and have our hands raised during the worship, during the music, but we still don't worship. You know, we come every Wednesday night, we listen to music, we hang out, we read our Bibles, but we still don't worship. You know, we serve in different areas of the church. We serve 
in the band we serve, in the tech team we serve, in these different areas of the church, but we still don't worship. See, all these things are elements of worship, but they aren't worship in and of itself. You see, you have to understand that worship is a lifestyle. What are you doing once you leave the walls of the church? Because oftentimes I feel like we put on a costume for church. You know, we come in, we have our hands raised, right? We have our Bibles read, we're, you know, being nice to each other, speaking, you know, Christianese to all these people. But like once we leave, we're someone totally different. We're almost completely unrecognizable. There's a show uh, I've been watching. It's on Disney Plus. It's called Moon Knight. Some of you may have seen it or not. But Moon Knight, the character, he suffers from multiple personality disorder. And so in his head, there's basically like two different people. One person is this like kind of shy, quirky, nerdy guy. And the other guy is this super adventurous, brave guy. And that's almost how we are when it comes to church and comes to worship. We have split personality disorder. We're in church. We're listening to the sermons. We're uh, going to worship. We're doing all these things, serving in different areas in the church. But once we get out the walls and the confines of the church, once we get past the cross life sign, totally different person. You see, we have to understand that worship involves more than we realize. You see, in the Bible, worship describes a way of life as well as specific activity, like praising and adoring and expressing reverence for God, both in public and in private. But in a broader sense, worship refers to a lifestyle of serving and glorifying God and reflecting God to others. So my question to you is, once you're leaving the church, are you still worshiping God? Jonah 1.9, it says, he answered, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. You see, in this verse, Jonah is speaking of a lifestyle that's fully dedicated to glorifying God. Romans 12.1, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. You see, here Paul defines worship as an all-encompassing way of life to God. You see, true worship is solely based on desire to honor God. But have you been feeling spiritually dry lately? Have you been feeling a disconnect from God? 
what does it look like when you lack spiritual discipline? You forget, who, you forget who you are and where your identity comes from. You begin to believe the lies that the enemy's told you. It becomes difficult to focus on God. And ultimately, you become spiritually weak. Understand that God doesn't want any of these things for you. And understand that nothing in this world can substitute for spiritual disciplines. Understand that at your worst, Jesus died for you. Christ longs for you. Jesus wants you to experience him. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. It says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness. So that Christ's power may rest on me. God sees your struggle. God sees your weakness. But in your weakness, his grace is sufficient enough for you. You see, that right there should be enough to motivate us to discipline ourselves. And you see, when we truly grasp the beauty of Christ and everything in our life, our motives change. Our desires change. The way we spend our time changes. And then our, our outlook on life begins to change. So as the band comes, I just have one question for you guys. Have you lost your focus on the true beauty of Christ. If you have, just understand, you're not alone. You know, it's easy to, like I said earlier, lose focus and fall prey to temporary things. And, let those t and then you allow those temporary things to captivate your heart. But we can rejoice in the fact that we serve a merciful and a gracious God. God is continually renewing us, building our relationship with him, and reminding us of the great price that he paid for us. So I just want to offer you guys a challenge today. Take some time out your day. Read your Bible and meditate on its word. Pray to God about your worships or your worries and concerns. And worship him for all that he's done. So that you 
can truly understand God and see God for who he truly is. Let's all stand and pray together. Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time now that we have to come together and worship you, Lord. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone struggling with being disciplined spiritually, I pray that you take their attention from away from whatever temporary thing that's captivating their hearts. And I pray that they take some time out and focus on those disciplines so that they can truly see you for who you are, Lord. Thank you for all you've done and all that you're going to do. We love you. We praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Sing, take my life.